1: And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast, your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin. We are still here. Yes, even after a loss, we are still here on a Monday morning to hopefully bring some analysis and perspective to you. Uh, It was a tough loss. we're, We're right there with you, with everybody else. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty clear with our purpose of this podcast. It's, you know, it's right there in the show, like by the fans for the fans, we don't have to be just plain objective analysts. We're fans, you know, it was a tough day for us yesterday, but, uh, here we are, it's a Sunday afternoon and we are going to try to make it through here. And like I said, try to try to put some perspective on this. We've both rewatched the game as painful as it, as it was. Uh, that way, you guys don't have to rewatch it. So, uh, hopefully, some thanks is heading our way for that. But, Scott, h- how are we doing?
0: You know, I'm doing better than I was last night. Uh, it was tough, like you said. It was uh, a frustrating game. It was pretty much every worry, every backdoor way to screw up that game. That maybe we were thought wouldn't bite us, but you know, the thought was bouncing around in our head. They pretty much all manifested in one game at the same time and and that's obviously we know the result but a lot of silver linings here a lot to still be optimistic about for this season for future seasons a lot still up for grabs for this season as as Mel Tucker and coaches typically say our goals are still ahead of us I think we've achieved all of our preseason goals already but um we're still in good shape. And uh, yeah, we got, like I said, a lot to still look forward to. So uh, we're going to do our best to keep it positive today. Obviously, we're going to be realistic. We're going to talk about what went wrong, but uh, it's not going to be all doom and gloom. And hopefully you'll leave uh, this episode feeling a little bit better about the last few games we've got on the schedule to uh, close out the year.
1: Yeah, well, we'll give the the disclaimer here, the perspective disclaimer that, look, it's, we're an eight and one football team, right? And I wanted to mention this because I've seen stuff on the interwebs both ways. I've seen, holy hell, this was just an embarrassment. This was a disaster. We need to think about who our coordinators are going to be next year. I've seen that. And on the total opposite side of that coin, I've seen, we have basically no right to complain because we're in year two of the coach and we're eight and one. And I don't agree with either of those. I think we're somewhere in the middle, right? I think it's okay to say that hey, we're we're eight and one and we didn't expect that to be to be the case, but expectations change throughout the course of the year. And so to just chalk up a, a loss and say, Well, eh, we shouldn't have been at this point anyway, I, I don't think that's being fair to the situation. And to be on the opposite side saying we need to think about firing staff members. Like, I think that's also outrageous because we have to remember where we are. So the, there's a, there's a balance somewhere in there. We'll, we'll try to find it here today, but just as a reminder, I, I mean, you know, we're going to go into some criticisms here. We, we found some things that are very alarming, but at the end of the day, this we're, we're in a good spot right now. Right. We're, we're still all of our goals in front of us. Uh, the possibility of an eleven-one season is is looking very slim because of ho- how Ohio State we know the the talent they have and the way they play to attack this defense. But um, a ten-and-two season is right there. A nine-and-three season is right there. And shoot, an eight-and-four season at the end of the day, when we look back in April, will will you know when the when the scars wear off? Still, wouldn't be too bad. I, I hope that's not the case, but. You know we're we're still in a good spot here, so we'll we'll get to all of the the criticisms of this game and and how we saw it play out, especially after rewatching it. But just have to to take a step back and and remind ourselves where we are in this one before we get too critical, before we get too crazy and overanalyzing all of this. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough tough game, tough weekend. Uh, I actually, you know, in in the rest of college football didn't do too bad myself. I I had a pretty nice weekend in the books. Uh, I evened up the picks contest, which, which was nice. Uh, and at the end of the day, there was a lot of teams that went down this weekend in college football, a lot of teams that really struggled this weekend in college football. So we were far from the only highly ranked team to, to, you know, struggle in a game to lose a game even. Uh, so, you know, everything in perspective here, but, Before we get into everything about this Purdue game, we have to remind you here that DraftKings is still with us. For some reason, they're sticking with us, and I really appreciate them for doing so. And they are an official sports betting partner of the NFL. As we're about to, as we're recording this, the NFL games are kicking off in about an hour here. Um, As you're listening, obviously, they've already transpired, but they're still Monday night football and new customers who bet just $1 on either team to score. Can win hundred dollars in free bets when a team scores. You scored. We're bringing back this promotion, which was very successful a couple of weeks back. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code. TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet just $1 on either team to score, and you win a $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, as we are recording this, I'll, I'll set up my day for, for the people at home. Uh, I woke up this morning, had a cup of coffee. I watched the game. And it wasn't great. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a bit of a mood. I went to the park with, with the standing room puppy, walked around a little bit, got some fresh air, got some some clarity, got some realization came back i had another cup of coffee and now we're recording this podcast so i I hope that there's a zen about me but maybe this cup of coffee just completely eliminated that uh but i don't know man where where do we want to start with this thing uh obviously you know if 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 you weren't watching if you were living under a rock the 40 to 29 loss in west lafayette
0: i mean I think you start with what went wrong. A lot went wrong yesterday. It led to a loss and um, we haven't had to answer that question um, yet this season. So let's talk about it. I mean, going into this game, they were Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, there were things bouncing around the back of our heads, typical trap game stuff, right? Are the guys going to be focused? Are we going to have stupid penalties? Are we going to give up turnovers? Are we going to, is the pass defense finally going to break instead of just bending all season? And, you know, are these injuries going to, going to bite us? Going into the week, I think the only one we really thought was going to have a big impact was, or that we knew about, was Jalen Naylor. Um, likely being out we get to the field and that Jarrett Horst is out and um, our first field goal or point after try we find out our our top kicker's out who's about to break the you mentioned it in the pregame or the the uh, preview show that he was about to break or is about to break the MSU all time scoring record he's nine points back right now and he doesn't show up so all those things you know I guess last week we were looking at them and we were just kind of saying, we trust Mel Tucker to have these guys ready, despite all that. And and on top of that, obviously we're coming off a big emotional win against a rival. um, The biggest win a lot of these kids have had in their entire lives. So there was a lot playing against us and we decided to overlook it and say, you know what? We trust Mel Tucker. It's not going to happen to us and it happened to us and trap games are real. And you know it lives deep in the psyche, trying to shake all that. It's not just, hey, I'll stay focused at practices practice this week. it's it's something deeper. it's 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 hard to avoid and, and it and it came up and bit us in this one. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that the most glaring, obviously thing that that bit us was our past defense. And watching the game live and watching the game again this morning, quite frankly, I don't have an easy answer to what went wrong there. It looked like, it looked like we had nine guys on the field. It looked like they had no idea where to be. We, you put something up on Twitter that a lot of these passes, you know, if you look at where the defense is, when the quarterback decides where he's throwing the ball, he's got three, four open options. I mean, it was, it was awful. I mean, there's no, there's no good softening word. It was a terrible performance defending the pass and it's you mentioned how Ohio state likes to play. It's scary for the future, but it's not like it was something we didn't see as a possibility. Right. Uh, we didn't necessarily think Purdue had the same juice in the passing game coming into this game that they've had in years past. But um, yeah, I mean, as you watched that, Kevin, <laughs> specifically trying to defend the pass, what, what caught your eye?
1: Um, well, first, yeah. Uh, Aiden O'Connell on third down was nine for 13, 159 yards and a touchdown, eight conversions out of 13 attempts when he was throwing the ball. Uh, they got everything they wanted. And like you said, it, it was, I, I'm glad you brought it up because the the reality was when we were watching this live, obviously we were texting back and forth and we have, we have a group of all Michigan state guys that were, we're all yelling and complaining and the vibe during the game was David Bell is killing us and we need to double cover David Bell, do whatever you got to do to stop David Bell. The reality after rewatching it was if David Bell wasn't going to beat us, somebody else was. And if you were going to put two guys on David Bell, that would just leave another guy that was wide open. I mean, their tight end was killing us. Their other wide receivers were, were beating us at times, but at times it wasn't even a situation where they, they got a chance to beat us because there were three or four wide open options. And David Bell was, was the first look. So he was the one who got the ball. There were guys running down the field wide open. There were guys running underneath wide open. There were guys running at the sticks wide open over the middle on the outside. It it didn't seem to matter. And the, the thing was you could put this into one of three reasons. I think you could say, that a it was a bad scheme. You could say that b our defensive backs were just not talented enough, or you could say c uh, the the defensive backs just didn't understand their role in the scheme. And I think it's maybe a little bit of all of them. I, I think David Bell is a really special player, and when you're asking guys to match up with them one on one, it's a really tough job. And maybe we just didn't have the guys to do it. Um. I think on the scheme side, people have poked holes in it all year and saying like, Hey, this isn't sustainable. Uh, the, the way that we're letting people beat us underneath and nickel and dime us down the field, you know, eventually it's going to get us, uh, you, you could argue that. And then uh, on the third side, there were multiple times where we were rewatching this thing where guys just very obviously didn't understand their role or, or thought that their role was different. There was a long catch by David Bell down the sideline where Charles Brantley was, he was playing and he thought it was covered too. I mean, he was sitting in that flat zone and he watched David Bell run right by him and didn't bat an eye because he thought he had safety help over the top. It was clear and obvious in, in rewatching it and watching the replay. It wasn't a matter of, of Brantley just getting beat. In coverage. It was a matter of he didn't think that was his responsibility. So he let David Bell run past him thinking there's a safety there. Well, there wasn't. And he went for some 40, 50 yards on that play. There was another one where Chester Kimbrough, clear as day, it was cover three. When they they showed the replay, you had Angelo Gross rotating over top to be the single high free safety. You had Xavier Henderson rolling down to take the flat. And Chester Kimbrough was responsible for that deep third. He gets he's playing press coverage on David bell. He gets toasted off the line of scrimmage bell beats him over the top. It was that one in the fourth quarter where, where he catches it, runs spins around guys are falling all over each other. So there were multiple situations where the guys just seemingly didn't understand their role in the scheme. So it, maybe it was a little bit of everything. It was one of those three options, but man, the the passing defense was really alarming. And when you're looking at, our schedule ahead the next two weeks of Maryland and Ohio state. I uh, really hope that we get this thing figured out. Uh, but like you said, injuries played a key role in that, you know, we're, we were down a couple guys, uh, obviously, when you're looking at even on the defensive line side, Simeon Barrow getting ejected in the, in the middle of the game, he's, he's a guy who usually provides some pressure on the quarterback that we didn't have. Um, it was just an all around disaster on the side of trying to defend whatever Purdue was putting out there on offense. It seemed like, Jeff Brom was, was five steps ahead. Every play call he had was perfectly timed. He knew exactly what they were trying to run. He had guys wide open on third downs on screen passes on deep balls, everything that he wanted. He got, and it was just one of those, like, it was a perfectly planned game by, by Jeff Brom. It was a perfectly executed game plan by the Purdue quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. And they had a guy in David Bell who anytime that, that the system wasn't perfect, he would bail him out. And every time the system was perfect and he got an opportunity, he did a little bit extra. He made somebody miss. He made a great play on the ball, whatever the case may be. So it was a perfect storm. And that resulted in 536 yards and three touchdowns passing. So I don't know, man, it was tough. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll get in the film room. As Mel Tucker said in the post game, they'll get in the film room. It's going to be a tough watch, but hopefully we figure something out because whatever we were doing didn't work.
0: Yeah. So you have that. I think you summarized it. I don't really have much else to add to that. I mean, it it was, it was, it was terrible. Like I said, it felt like we had nine guys on the field, uh, the whole game, the pass rush didn't get home, which did not help at all. Um, They had like two sacks on broken rollout plays, but other than that, they really were giving O'Connell as much time as he needed. And most of the time he was getting rid of it one to two seconds anyway. Um, It it stunk, but that was not the only nail in the coffin. If that was it and we played everything else perfectly, I think we still would have won this game. Um, You had, we mentioned the injuries, Naylor, you could see we were going for deep ball looks and never even really tried. I think we tried once and it was an overthrow on a long play action. Um, You had the, the horse injury. I mean, in both the running and the the passing game, we were trying to go deep and Thorne didn't have any time. It turned into broken plays time after time after time. And when we did decide to go shorter and quicker, it started working. When we went up tempo, it started working for whatever reason. We didn't stay in those, uh, which was frustrating. I, I honestly, I don't think I know enough about football to really just chalk it up to the play calling stunk because the play calling looks great when guys are making plays. The play calling looks terrible when guys aren't making plays. And sometimes it's really hard to distinguish between execution and play calling and what's um, really holding us back. But it did feel like we were trying to push things that weren't working throughout the game and, and didn't really get away from them, especially on the offensive side. But so you felt that horse injury, the running game was there but the game script got ahead of us so quickly that we kind of had to bail out of that. And I mean, yeah, Kenneth Walker at 150 yards and even Peyton Thorne was making plays with his legs, but we just didn't have enough time to stick to the running game with the way that that game was progressing. Um, it was the game script itself was terrible. We start with the ball, we fumble and immediately Purdue comes out with a short ish field and gets on top of us. Um And we had a couple turnovers. I mean, that fumble from Kenneth Walker hurt. I'm not sure it was a fumble, but they called it on the field. And I think in the review, they made the right call to stand with what they called on the field. We had a critical interception late in the game, right on the goal line, basically our last gasp in the game. And again, was it an interception simultaneous possession? I don't know, but I'm not going to sit here and chalk it up to those. I mean, the DB made a great play. I think it was probably a pick
1: and um. I think with that really quick, because I saw a bunch of people complaining about it, like at the end of the day, if you are, if you're really complaining about a rule that I have always kind of thought was dumb in the first place, but like you're, you're, you're arguing that the guy that made a play on the ball and came away with the ball in his hands, right? You're saying that that should have been a catch just because of some formality in the rule book. Like, what do you what are you really complaining about? At the end of the day, DB made a great play. He come he came away with the ball, and we just got to live with the result. I I don't think I've I saw fans complaining about Twitter, uh, complaining about the refs on Twitter. Uh, luckily, Mel Tucker in his press conference basically took took uh, command of that and said, "Hey, we're not blaming the refs." Uh, maybe there were a couple calls that didn't go our way. We're going to send those to the big 10 office and, and hopefully get a, get a good answer on, on what we need to do next time. But yeah, if you're complaining about the refs after this one, you need to take a look in the mirror because, because the refs didn't throw for 540 yards.
0: Yeah, and, and look, a lot of the other calls the refs made were good calls that on boneheaded plays by us. You had the DuPlain trip that thankfully didn't bite us. We ended up scoring on that one, but it was a trip. You had the back-to-back personal fouls. You had with Kimbro body slamming the guy, 50-50 call, but like, I don't blame the ref for calling it. If that's our receiver, we're asking for that flag. You have the Barrow targeting. That was a targeting. Uh, he dropped his head. I mean, you hit him with your face mask, it's not a penalty, but he dropped his head and he slammed his four, his top of his head into the quarterback. And that was the right call too. It was just, and that's what we talk about trap game focus, right? Like those little things happen when your guys just have five or 10% less focus in a game. And, and that's how it manifests. And this game was close the whole time. Um, But Purdue had a little bit of an edge on all those 50, 50 plays last week. I mentioned there's five to 10 game plays in a game that determine the outcome. And Purdue was ready for those, plays when they happened and they made those the the plays that they needed to to put themselves on top and to keep themselves on top and we just didn't quite have the juice didn't have the magic um and and it showed and again you know it's interesting with our offense it really it's it's touchdown or three and out and that continues to be the case if we get one first down we usually move the ball um and i mean that third quarter three plays touchdown, and then two straight three and outs. And then the game was basically out of reach. And uh, yeah, Purdue just did what they needed to, uh, to stay ahead and uh, credit to them. Honestly, I mean, as frustrating as this game was, Purdue showed a lot in this game to keep their head on straight. We fought back, you know, they were up 21 to seven late in the second quarter by middle of the third quarter, it was a tie game and they just put the gas pedal right back down again. And um, you mentioned, an extraordinary game plan by Jeff Brom to neutralize everything we wanted to do. They gave us the run game and it still didn't matter. Um, yeah, it was, it was a well-played game by Purdue and we just got
1: beat. Yeah. I I mean, the, the offensive side, again, it's, it's frustrating and, I think this is like a call to action for, for people out there. Cause I see a lot of this just in general, as a football fan, who's, who's interacting with other football fans, be it Twitter or at the bar or talking to your friends or, or whatever. And it's just people screaming buzzwords into the void and saying like, we need to make adjustments. Where are the adjustments? We need this. We need this. And I just want, before you say something like that, I want you to give a recommendation. It could be wrong. It could be right. I don't care, but it's, it is really just annoying when people are just yelling stuff, like make adjustments. It's like, okay, what adjustment do you want them to make? Do you want them to do more play action? Do you want them to do more quick game? Like at least give something, right? Because you're just yelling into the void about making adjustments. and so for me, i i sat and i was watching the game and i thought, man, we're not making any adjustments. and i thought to myself like, okay, what does that mean? what do i want them to do? uh and and i think what i came away with that uh, the the thing that frustrated me the most and if you put me one on one with jay johnson right now and he said, "hey, i heard you were complaining about me. Like, what do you think i could have done differently?" I first of all, I probably would have said, like, well, I'm an idiot, so don't listen to me. But then I, I would have said that there, there didn't seem to be an adjustment to the to the players we didn't have available, or to the players we did have available. Because I mean you you touched on this earlier and to, to kind of bring it back there. Uh Jalen Naylor's not available, J Jarrett Horst isn't available, and it seemed like the, the, the offensive coaching staff and the play calling was geared towards a game plan, which had Jarrett Horst and Jalen Naylor available. There was a lot of just, we were trying to throw something deep and the, the offensive line protection wasn't there. And whether it was George Karloftis or somebody else was, was getting home quickly and too quickly for Peyton Thorne to find somebody opening up downfield. And when you have receivers that aren't Jalen Naylor and have that kind of game-breaking ability to, to get past a defender. And when you have an offensive line who struggles with protection, that's just not a good way to go about things. So I, I didn't see a whole lot of adjustment to that. I would have liked to see more quick game, more tempo, like you mentioned earlier. I think once we went there, it started working and it wasn't just late in the game. It wasn't just the garbage time drive Er or earlier in the game as well. Um, There was the touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, Where is it here? The, the touchdown, no, sorry. The touchdown in the second quarter that made it 14 to 21, our second touchdown of the game, we, we started going up tempo. So they uh, Kenneth Walker started the drive off with a negative one yard play. And then it was first down, first down, first down. There were three straight first downs on the, on that drive. And we were going quick. We were going short game and it was working. And then, you know, we just got away from it again. And it it was, it was frustrating to watch as a fan. um, When you went back and rewatched it and tried to find what you would do differently. Sometimes it's just your offensive line isn't playing well. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, But I don't know. You you mentioned Peyton Thorne. I would, I would like to see him. You know, use his legs a little bit more. We saw some of that today. It seemed to be working. Let's see if, if we stick with that in the future, but it, it just didn't really seem like we were adjusting to the personnel we had available. You know, Montori Foster is not Jalen Naylor. Uh Trey Mosley, especially, is not Jalen Naylor. He's good when you get him underneath and you get him on some quick concepts. He's a good route runner. He's got sure hands, but he's not going to beat you deep. And it seemed like we were running a game plan that was assuming that Trey Mosley could get deep and, and that just wasn't the case. So I don't know. Uh, Kenneth Walker still had a pretty good day. Like you said, I, I think the Heisman trophy is still in his, uh, in his windshield. If he's looking at that as a goal, 146 yards and the touchdown two catches for 20 yards. Um, I, I would like to see us get a little bit more creative with how we're getting in the ball, uh, you know, some swing passes, some screens. We we tried a couple screens, but like, you know, get, getting him the ball in space. Cause that's where he's best and, and running him between the tackles. He does really well with that, obviously, but um trying to get a little bit more creative when the, when that stretch run isn't working, it seems like we're just like, well, that was our creative thing. And then that's not working. Run some counter run, run some swing passes to him. I don't know, get him the ball. Cause he's clearly our best weapon.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy had a quiet 150 yards Yeah, on the ground, you know, I mean, but at the end of the day, I don't think the offense lost this game. They, they scored four touchdowns, almost had a fifth. Uh, they were getting desperate down there and what have had, a, you know, a field goal could have had another field goal. I mean, they easily could have put mid thirties uh, yesterday and, and that should be enough against this Purdue offense. I think this one's on the defense. I mean, it's on the whole team. It's team game, but you know, that we couldn't stop their pass and then a few other little things bit us where it hurt. And, and this is what we're left
1: with. But on, um, I have, I, think there's I have a, a- I have a two part question here. Well, I want right. to get to something, but um, what was we, you know, we'll talk about it later on as well with like a play of the game or something, but I, I want to know from your side, what two moments in this game I wanted to, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but one moment where you at watching it live, were like, okay, we, we re we either we're going to win this game or okay, now we're we're putting ourselves in a spot where we, we could win this thing. And then on the flip side of that, what was the moment where you're like, all right, it's done. We're, we're going to lose this game. So
0: we came out in the second quarter, Darius Snow, who we're going to talk about in a minute, forced to fumble, and we recovered it. First drive for Purdue. They did the same thing on us. In the first half, we did the same thing. We, we got the possession back. Three plays touchdown. Uh, That was the Peyton Thorne QB draw, 32 yard touchdown run. Tie the game. We had gone into the half with a touchdown. We came out of the half, got the ball, scored a touchdown, tie game. I'm like, all right, got our feet under us now. Ugly first half, but we can put it behind us. Said, all right, from here on out, just play toe to toe. We're the better team. We should come out with a win that's when I probably felt the best. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say at that point, I, I knew or felt like for sure we were going to win the game. But at that point I was like, all right, we kind of, we, that erases all the ugliness of the first half. It's back to a zero, zero football game. Um, and then they came right back out and scored another touchdown. And at, at that point, I mean, it was still only a one possession game, but at that point it's like, all right, Purdue just erased exactly what we did. And we came out with those two penalties, right? So immediately it's like, all right, play clean ball. It's a zero, zero ball game, win the game. And right away we start making mistakes again and they score a touchdown and it just didn't feel like we had it. And then, and then the next play, really the moment was the three and out on the next drive, three yard run, zero yard run, incomplete pass punt. Yeah. That Purdue, the ball back
1: that Purdue touchdown that you mentioned too, like they got to the Michigan state 33 yard line without doing anything. it was yep. just penalties at, you know, they, they returned the kickoff and then got two penalties and they're already in scoring position. And yeah, I, that was the moment for me too, where I'm like, all right, well, everything great that we just did to get ourselves back in this game. We just, threw it all in the garbage and especially once they punched it in for six i think if they would have gotten a field goal there and it was like all right hey we we had these dumb mistakes but we still held them to three they would have okay we're we're still in good shape there but once they punched it in it was just it seems like whatever we're doing well they match it and whatever we do bad they capitalize on it yeah i mean you look at after
0: after that touchdown we have a three yard three and out after purdue's Uh, fourth touchdown we have a three yard three and out they get the ball back they go incomplete one yard we force a third and nine here's your chance here's your window 50 yards to David Bell on a blown coverage and then three straight incompletions and they kick a field goal so it was it was literally it was one mistake they get more points and then we have a five yard three and out uh and then they get the ball back and they go that's when they start I mean, they're up 13 at that point. They start chewing the clock. Our, it looks on paper like our Ben don't break starts working because they had four straight field goal drives. But at the end of the day, they were getting down into the red zone and running the ball, trying to keep the clock running. They probably could have scored more. Um, so, yeah, I mean that the middle of the third quarter, we came out, tie the game, Purdue comes out and just puts the, puts the foot back on the throat. And uh, we had a, I mean, we had a glimmer of hope in, late in the fourth when, Our offense moved down in five plays, scored again, but Purdue was just ready for it. They were mentally the stronger team, and uh, yeah, we couldn't rebound. So that's what went wrong. Everything, really, the offense played an okay game. The running defense did fine against a bad running team. They did what they needed to. They shut it down, but the passing defense and other mistakes uh, led to a loss. But I think there's, I mentioned I was in a decent mood when we started this there's a lot to be optimistic about here. Okay. One, we have one loss, which is way ahead of where anybody thought we would be. Kevin, you and I both predicted this as a loss going in. I think I had kind of forgotten about that until at least last week, if not when we actually lost, but it, I wouldn't say this was not expected at all preseason. We both predicted this. We have one loss. I we can still make the playoff if you're somebody who's desperate to keep that thought alive and we can still win out and make the playoff. I I don't think it's the most realistic thought process, but it's still fun. Um, And we have a group of young players who I am. I'm just really, really, really excited to watch. We mentioned Charles Brantley last week. He didn't single-handedly win us the game, but he made a a couple enormous plays last week to help us win that game. And we were giving him a lot of credit after that. Uh, He had a couple mistakes yesterday, but he was our best corner yesterday. He was the only one who could slow down David Bell at all, who could stick with him in man coverage, who could stick with him on a deep third and, and make plays on the ball. He was hurt like basically the whole fourth quarter. I think his shoulder was separated and he was still out there against David Bell. Again, one of the best receivers in the conference, if not the country making plays and he is going to be the best corner we've had in a long time. I'm confident. That, I mean, this dude's 155 ish soaking wet and he's out there against solid big 10 wide receivers going toe to toe.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, and, and I hope people understand what we're saying here. Like the past defense in general as a whole was bad, but that doesn't mean that each individual player was bad. And like you said, Char- Charles Brantley to be going toe-to-toe with a clear-cut NFL wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the country, and to do so as a true freshman with a clearly separated shoulder, it, it was really impressive. Just the guts, the every time he he went down on the field, you could see him just kind of holding his arm or just kind of his arm was just dangling next to his side, like, it was a really gutsy, impressive performance by him. A couple pass breakups. There was a really nice play he made in the end zone against David Bell after giving up a big play. Like the, the way that he just kind of kept fighting and kept getting right back up. And, and it was, it was really impressive.
0: Yeah. So him, I mean, we talked about how fun it's going to be to watch him and Andre Anthony go head to head the next few years, just keep an eye on the kid. I mean, I don't know if his shoulder is going to limit his playing time throughout the year. I think he probably has a history with that shoulder because he's been wearing that shoulder brace all year. This isn't a new thing. So hopefully um, it doesn't, you know, get in the way of anything long-term, but if, if zero's on the field, just watch him because it's going to be fun. Um, Darius snow. Exceptional. I mean, I'm so excited to watch him. He's going to be another core player, whether he stays at the nickel or moves up to a you know strong safety to replace Xavier Henderson next year. Wherever he is on the field, he just makes more and more and more good plays. He forced the only turnover that we forced. Forced and recovered, and recovered it. Um, and he had a tackle for loss. He had a couple other run stuffs. I mean, this dude's all over the field. He clearly understands the game. He's clearly got instincts. He can play in coverage. He can play against the run. Um, awesome. Awesome player. Again, he's a he's a redshirt freshman, so he'll be around for a while. Um, I thought, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm giving away a little bit of our player of the game for later, but I thought he had a phenomenal game, probably our best defensive player just down in and down out throughout the game yesterday.
1: Yeah. He had a, he had a Xavier Henderson game, right? 13 tackles, 11 solo tackles. Most of those were out in space, Uh, a tackle and a half for loss. He he was all over the field making plays as he has been for the last three, four weeks. So that that's an exciting piece that to build around in the secondary. And we, we were kind of talking before we started recording do you keep him in the nickel spot where he looks really comfortable and productive? Do you have him replace Xavier Henderson at the strong safety spot? Uh, that's going to be an interesting storyline that we'll be following this off season. But uh, it, it before we get to that, he's playing some great ball and, and deserves to be recognized. Uh, absolutely. I'll, yeah, I'll throw out were... another guy on the offensive side, somebody we we've been waiting for and, And maybe Mel was just waiting to to bring him out against his former team. Malik Carr, only only a couple plays here. But, you know, we've seen him pop up here and there on the field. He had one catch against Michigan. That catch and run he had on that little tight end screen, he showed some juice that I didn't think he had. We knew he was, big, what, 6'5", 6'6". We knew he could jump. I didn't know he could run like that. There was just, he broke a couple contained angles on him and, And he was moving on that. He had the nice two point conversion as well, of which I, I, you know, you met you, you noticed it as well. I don't know for the people listening. Um, I don't know if you caught it. He was absolutely about to get a penalty on that. He, he caught the two point conversion and then he turned around. He was about to get in the face of that defensive back. And thankfully Kenneth Walker ran over and, and showed the leadership he's been, uh, you know, the teammates love him, but yeah, Kenneth Walker ran over and was just like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. (laughs) Run back to the sideline. But yeah, Malik Carr, only a couple plays, but a couple really impressive plays that, that kind of just hint towards the ceiling. Right. And, and somebody asked Mel Tucker about, I think it was Graham couch actually asked Mel Tucker about him in, in the press conference. And he, he kind of hinted towards like we really want to get him on the field. He's a really dangerous player and and he could be a weapon for us. Um, there was an implication that there's, there's just something holding him back from more playing time. You know, whether it's just a, a matter of learning the playbook or doing the right things day in, day out in practice, we don't know, but it, it, the more he gets involved, I think it's, it's going to be really exciting.
0: Yeah. That was the other one I was going to bring up again. He's a is he a freshman by eligibility
1: freshman or sophomore freshman and, yeah because so, he was a true freshman last year in the COVID year for purdue so
0: yeah so uh he's got i guess three more years of eligibility after this year i'm not even sure he's going to burn his red shirt with how much he's played this year i'd have to look back at the snaps and how many games I think he's
1: based on the number of games i i can confidently say he's played in at least three games So All right. So we'll see. But even still, even if he does uh,
0: lose a year here, he's got three years left. He'll be around for a while. Clearly talented, athletic, just needs some time to uh, settle in. Jay Johnson's offense asks a lot from tight ends. So you got to be able to do a lot of things well to get playing time. And that's why you see experienced guys like Hunt and uh, Hayward out there so much. But I think that is certainly a name to keep an eye on as uh, as the years progress here. And, uh, and, Kenneth Walker, I mean, we say it every week, but do not take this for granted guys. It, I mentioned it was a quiet 150 yards. It sounds hilarious. It felt like that. I think he only had two plays that I noticed that he really broke free, but just falls forward. And he always somehow, whether it's making one guy miss in a pile or just leaning forward, gets an extra two or three yards, takes it from a two yard loss in the backfield to a one yard gain or, you know, takes you from third and nine versus third and four. He just does those little things. He finds the yards, and he still averaged six yards per carry. I mentioned the game script was not in his favor yesterday. Um, we we were down early, and we just couldn't afford well, to be chewing clock. The
1: but. the commentators clearly didn't think so because we were down sixteen with what like five minutes left, and the commentators were out there like, "This is where you need Kenneth Walker to step up." It's like we're not going to run the ball. I don't know why, where are you coming out with this narrative? Like, yeah, that, that was, I thought the commentators all in all were, were actually pretty solid, but that was one moment where I'm like, wait, do you, do you see the the time left in the score? Because I I don't think we're going to turn around and hand the ball off to the running back right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually had two two
0: catches for 20 yards, which I'm not sure I could tell you when that happened, but there was one, um, we
1: swung it out to him on the left side and and he he kind of just beat somebody to the edge and got a first down I off the top of my head I don't remember the other one I did miss I think like two offensive drives I was
0: kind of moving around during the game from TV to TV and uh, I I didn't catch a little bit of the offense but in any case Kenneth Walker it's a treat I'm am I scared of what's going to happen when he leaves yes but we'll we'll talk about that in the offseason if and when he does leave um but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a tough game, but we still have a lot of talent out there that can make plays this year, that can make plays in the future. Um, those are the guys that really stuck out to me. I thought Jaden Reed, he had an okay game. There were a couple of plays where he wasn't as competitive as you'd hope in a, you know a 50-50 situation. He had one, would have been a tough catch, but for him, it was probably a drop on a deep fade to the right side was probably about a 30 to 40 yard gain had he brought it in um, and it ended a drive, but um, all in all, like, like I said, at the top, I think we know what lost us this game. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anyone else who stuck out to you, Kevin. It was, it wasn't an individually um, stellar performance all around.
1: Yeah. I, and on it, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of guys in the positives. There's a couple guys that I just, I, I don't like singling out kids, but I, I will mention that I thought Quaveras crouch probably had his worst game as a Spartan. I, I thought he was getting exposed and confused and there was that long, uh, trick play, double reverse screen pass where he missed a just blatant opportunity for a tackle. He got spun around and and I thought he had a tough, tough game <clears throat> Kimbrough, as far as, you know, individual cover guys, he struggled a lot. So uh, Ronald Williams as well. I, I know there were stories about him being banged up Kimbrough being banged up a little bit, but um, there were a couple times where we're just, just losing, losing focus or whatever, but just losing their guys in coverage. It was, it was pretty frustrating. Um, it, I wanted to at least mention those as, as guys that will, will definitely need to step up because, because crouch obviously is a huge part of this defense. We're going to need him to play better, especially in, in pass coverage. And, and even in the run game, he was getting lost a couple of times. So, um, Cal holiday, another solid game. I, the water boy was, was out there fighting. Um, he made a couple plays. He missed a couple plays, but you know, he, he kind of provided a, a solid water level for, for linebacker play. Um, Angelo gross just didn't really hear his name called. Didn't really, you know, you you watch the replay wasn't his normal playmaking self out there. Just couldn't really find the positions. And, and maybe that's a credit to Jeff Brom and the scheme again, just, just not really allowing him to be a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball, but yeah, not as far as standout performances. Like you said, I would say Brantley, uh, played really well at first stretches, Darius snow, Malik car sighting, uh, Peyton Thorne. I, I mean, I, I think he did the best he could at certain times. Um, you know, there were just times where he had no time and and he was just at a certain point, just trying to get himself back to the line of scrimmage without taking a five yard sack. I, I don't really know what to say about him. He had a couple really nice throws, he had a couple head scratchers. He's a college quarterback and sometimes that's what you get. So um, I thought at times he he played really well. And I thought at times that there were some things that he could have done better, but it was, uh, it was a college performance from a college quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I guess I want to close this before um, players of the game and game balls on a positive note, we got three games left in this season. And we were talking about kind of the possibilities here. I mean on the obviously, on the high end, we figure out how to win out how to clean all this up, beat Ohio State, win out, win the conference championship. You're still in the playoff i i, I don't think it's realistic, but i'm not it, it is possible. I cannot tell you it's not possible. It is possible uh, on the bottom end, we lose out and we finish eight and four, and well, we still exceeded expectations this year. everybody had us finishing, not everybody. A lot of folks had us finishing last in the in the big ten East. That's clearly not going to happen. And I don't think we're going to finish eight and four either. I think on a realistic note, you're looking at 10 and two or nine and three, depending on what happens in the Penn State game. Um, Either one might get you to a Rose Bowl in Mel Tucker's second year. Uh, I don't know if nine and three gets you there, but in any case... That's it's phenomenal. We're, we're in a great place. This loss only hurts this much because we're so far ahead of schedule. I mean, if we were five and four, it would have just been another loss on the schedule that you would love to be a win, but we're just plugging away. And then that's not the case. You know, we far exceeded expectations eight weeks through the year. Weaknesses that we knew we had finally got exploited. We're sitting at eight and one when we really shouldn't be eight and one. Um, And you got to be happy about that. It hurts in the moment, but you know, we got to put this behind us. And for all we know, this is going to turn into that, you know, little piece of adversity that championship teams all go through. Our 2015 team lost a heartbreaker to an unranked Nebraska on the road later in the season around the same time, still made the playoffs, still came back to beat Ohio state later that season, still did all those things. And, um, adversity can be a really strong force uh, when you're trying to to build a team and, and do great things. So uh, you never know what this will turn into. It is not all doom and gloom. It's not the end of the year. It's not the end of the world. Um, and we're, we're moving on to Maryland.
1: Yeah. And and the other thing to remember too, this is a, it's a pretty good Purdue football team. They're already bowl eligible. They already have six wins. They obviously beat Iowa on the road. They beat Nebraska on the road who we know is, is, Win loss wise is not great, but on the field, we know Nebraska is really tough. They played Notre Dame really tough. It's, it's a good Purdue team. And, um, if we're looking at this in like the, the fan trying to twist it optimistically, however you can, um, to me, there is something positive about just getting the loss out of the way. You know, it's like, it's just, all right, that's done we, the undefeated talk is done. We got the loss out of the way. Now let's just move ahead and focus on winning each individual game one at a time. And so maybe there's something to that. Maybe not, but I don't know. It is what it is. We lost a game. Kevin, if you're so Purdue's next game, I hadn't looked at
0: their schedule until right now they're traveling to the horseshoe to play Ohio state. You think they got a chance to make it three <laughs> top 5 wins in one season? I mean Purdue actually while, before I let you answer. Tiebreakers aside, they're tied for first in the Big 10 West. So if if the dominoes fall the right way for them, we just lost to a division champion. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Just saying. Like you said, it's not the worst loss. It's not a, you know one in 10 Purdue team of a few years ago or whatever. They're a good team. They've beat good teams, but Kevin traveling to the horseshoe spoiler makers round three
1: uh I was just looking really quick to see if the if the lines were available yet for next week and I don't think they are uh because I was really curious what that one was going to be uh I mean realistically the answer is I guess why not all right like y- you can't say no for sure because we said kind of going into this one like well You know, it's, I would feel worried about this, but they've already done it once. So they're not going to sneak up on somebody again, because the coaches can look, they did it twice. Now, why, why can't they do it a third time? I don't think it's going to happen, especially being at the horseshoe, but you can't say no, like you, you absolutely can't say never, because if Aiden O'Connell plays like he did on Saturday he could beat a lot of teams out there because he was dialed in. He was hitting every throw. Everything was in stride and Ohio state for as talented as they are, they don't have anybody that can stop David bell. One-on-one. I I could tell you if there's this, if there's a worry there, it's their secondary as well. So I don't think it's going to happen for sure. But uh, I, I would be surprised if that number isn't, under two touchdowns. I think that's going to be like Ohio state minus 10, Ohio state minus 11. I, I don't think that's going to be Ohio state minus 15, 16. Cause, cause the books are going to realize that this Purdue team is legit.
0: Yeah. So in any case, we'll be rooting hard for the Boilermakers next week for sure. Um, we can root for them for the rest of the year uh, to make us look a little bit better, but uh, Kevin, are we ready? Players of the game and game balls. All right, we'll start with play of the game. Uh, it's kind of not as exciting when you're losing. I'm just <laughs> noticing this now. It's like, all right, pick your favorite uh, play that didn't end up mattering. But, Kevin, I'll let you start here. <laughs> what was your favorite play in this yeah, game? Yeah,
1: it is a lot more exciting when you're picking from a multitude of plays that decided to win, right? And you're trying to determine which one was the most impactful towards this win. Um, or even if, you know, just going back to like the Indiana game where it was just like, there were a bunch of fun plays so which one was now it's just like, uh we have to pick one, I guess. Um, I'll go with, I'll, I'll go with, I think what, you know, we, we kind of say like every week, it's like, there's the obvious one. And then there's the one you'll have to, to try to find. I, I think that Peyton Thorne, uh, it was like a little QB draw ran it in 32 yards for the touchdown. He, he even broke a, I wouldn't say broke a tackle cause he ended up falling from that tackle, but he took the contact and went another five yards into the end zone. We'll, we'll say it that way. Uh, but showed a little bit of juice on that one and, and showed some open field uh, awareness. And I have to give a shout out because I, I wrote this down that it, to make sure that I did, Montori Foster downfield blocking on that play was excellent. It was what allowed that play to go from a first down to a touchdown. It's a trend that we've been following all year. The wide receiver downfield blocking has been outstanding this year. And that's just a testament to those guys and, and to, uh, to the coaches for, for getting these guys bought in and Courtney Hawkins, the wide receiver coach, give him a ton of credit as well. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Peyton Thorne. QB draw 32 yards for a touchdown that tied it up and gave us all hope at the start of the third quarter.
0: All right. I was going to take that one, but I like uh, a little bit of diversity here. So I'm going to go with, uh, I guess the best defensive play that I can think of. And that was Darius snow coming in, punching the ball loose, making a big play when we needed it, jumping on top of it and getting the recovery as well. Um, we absolutely had to have a play in that moment. It put us back in the game. Very well could have been the turning point if uh, the Dominoes fell the right way after that. He did what he needed to to get us back in the game and steal that possession back after we gave one up at the beginning of the game. So uh, Darius Snow, he looked strong. He looked solid earlier this year. Now he's really starting to make some some exceptional uh, plays that, that are a little bit above and beyond what you'd expect from someone of his age and stature and uh, yeah really excited to see him him come along and I'll start us off with player of the game too because it's going to the same guy I'm gonna give it to Darius snow I thought in a day when the defense struggled all in all he had probably the best game of his career so far and he was a, a bright spot in a tough game um I a part of me feels like a defensive back shouldn't get player of the game in this game because of how ugly it was, but he was making a lot of plays. If everyone played with the same effort and was able to make the same amount of plays that he did, we would have come out with the win. So Darius snow excited to see him, uh, suit up next week.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it to the same guy. I think Darius snow, I, I'll echo all the points he played. He played really well. Uh, his open field tackling he's money. It's, it's really impressive. I, as a honorable mention, just to, to give another name, Kenneth Walker. I I mean, he, he just seems to keep this offense going Uh, whenever we seem to need a play. He gets it fourth and two down near the goal line. Uh, He, he hits the corner. He hits the edge as he's done all year. He gets to that sideline before anybody on defense better than anybody I've seen in the country. Uh, He just has that neck for hitting the, has that neck for hitting the juice at the right time. Uh, But, you know, he just kind of kept us alive for stretches of that game, whether it was a big play to move the chains or, or to get into the end zone on that play to, to bring us down by one score going into the half. Uh, He's, he's just continued to play outstanding football and, you know, as much as this loss hurts uh, as a team perspective, if, if we're looking at getting Kenny, the Heisman as one of our big goals for this year, I think he, he absolutely kept that alive this week. Like you said, 150 yards and a touchdown, it seemed really quiet, but that's a, that's a heck of a performance to have as, as kind of an off day. That's a, a heck of a day to, to have in that context. So 1,340 yards rushing 15 touchdowns so far this year and Bryce young at Alabama, he didn't really have a good game. They barely escaped LSU. Uh, CJ Stroud at Ohio state. I was watching most of that game against Nebraska. He didn't really look all that impressive. So in a week that I think a lot of the other Heisman contenders were, were really not that good. uh Kenneth Walker had another really good day. And I think if you were to ask most of the voters right now, if the season ended today, I think Kenneth Walker would have a really damn good shot to win this thing. So He just needs to keep putting together good performances. He's got a couple, you know, prime time type, uh, matchups coming up to really, um, to really boost that status in big games, uh, like he did against Michigan. So he's going to, he's giving himself a chance. Yeah.
0: One more honorable mention, uh, because we didn't talk about him a lot. Trey Mosley had two touchdowns, um, I think I missed the first one. So maybe that's why I didn't talk about him enough. He only had three catches. One of them was at the very beginning of the game. The other one was at the very end of the game. Most of the game, he was really quiet, but the kid had half our touchdowns. You got to give him a shout out for that. Um, would love to see more out of him, especially if Naylor's going to be out longer term. Um, I think he's got a lot to show. We've seen flashes from him, and if he can really find a niche in the playbook that that he can excel at, and uh, Jay Johnson recognizes it and starts to call those plays for him, I think he can really start to make a bigger impact as we need him to going into uh, the final stretch here. So we're three quarters of the way through the regular season, Kevin. We are eight and one. If this loss was in week two, we'd be in a different mood, but... <laughs> it's a great three quarters of the year. We're setting up for an exciting finish to the year. We have a chance in every game and, uh, and I'm, I'm still really stoked and, and feel grateful that, uh, that this season has panned out the way that it has.
1: Yep. And, and like you said here, we're, we're closing the book on the Purdue loss. We will be back on Wednesday to preview a Maryland team, which is up and down as they always are. They started the year off four and zero. Since then, they've they've gone on a one in four stretch here. They just lost to Penn State this weekend. They're five and four on the year, looking for a bowl berth, and they have uh, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan stretch in a three week span. So we're sandwiched in the middle of it. Um, and and we'll get you all you need to know about that Maryland game coming up on Wednesday. So subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share it with a friend if you haven't already. Uh, and and we're gonna keep this thing rolling, uh, win or loss. We'll, we'll be here to to try to bring some perspective. So uh, until Wednesday, hope everybody has a great start to the week. We will see you then. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.